Everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for October. I don't know what that means. I've no idea what it means. Um, I don't know if, um, well, obviously you're all familiar with October, but are you foes with October? That's the question that we've got to be asking. Do you look on October as something which means that this is the time that you can put your lovely thick duvet on your bed and when it gets to night time you can snuggle in? Or... Do you look at it that it's going to be cold and wet and I've got to go outside and walk the dogs? Now, if we're going to be talking about things that are familiar and foes, I thought we should bring in some experts. So to talk to me about familiars and foes from horrible adorables. I've got Jordan and I've got Christopher. Hello. Hey. How are you? Uh, we went a long way around for that one. That was good. That was kind of like... Uh, it's I take the NASA approach when it comes to introductions, which means that I do a couple of orbits, and then I go from an ellipt- elliptical orbit to a, a hyperbolic kind of orbit. Um, yeah, I was watching Hidden Figures uh, last night, so every day's every day's a school day. Um, we're here to talk about your good selves, and we're also here to talk about your Kickstarter campaign, which is currently on Kickstarter. Familiars and foes which is where you can play as one of five one of five spell-slinging elemental familiars fighting cooperatively to rescue their witches and wizards, which sounds very, very fun indeed. Now, we're going to get to that, but first of all, we're going to get to your good selves. Um, first of all, so how is it where you are just now? Are you both well? Are you both doing fine on this wonderful Sunday? Um, well... <laughs> That's a loaded question <laughs> we're, we're doing well um i think that both of us are just so exhausted from putting this kickstarter together it, it really hasn't um we really haven't had a chance to decompress yet and the uh, tension of refreshing and watching the the numbers come in i mean so far things are going all right but we're on day six here so we're still getting used to this, this is our first kickstarter do you have you got to the point where you're actually saying to each other, Chris, if you touch that F five button one more time, I'm taking the laptop off you. Or um, are you both kind of checking? Have you? Is it the case that you've now got Kickstarter apps on your phone? So it's like, are you sneaking <laughs> off and going, you better not be checking that phone to see where you are on that funding level. Yeah, sneak into the, the bathroom. And you're just like, yeah. <laughs> you better be watching TikTok <laughs> or scrolling <laughs> Twitter. No, man, I just need one more hit. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> just I, one check. 
it's been a little i don't know I've, i try to like give it a pause mm. so that when i come back to it maybe i'm excited instead of being like oh no only one or <laughs> or it's, none it's that I just kind checked of thing two minutes ago you know it's that kind of thing where uh if you watch water it won't boil you know it seems like the more we refresh, the more it doesn't move. But as soon as we walk away for a few hours, then uh, then we get a nice little bump. And what it doesn't say and what they don't say in the Kickstarter back office is you've got access to the back office and you can actually see how the pledges are climbing or going up or going down or people are changing their pledges and stuff like that. So it's a mm-hmm. special additional kind of drip fed torture where you can just look at the funding goal or if you want you can slowly watch the drips of water falling onto your forehead and slowly kind of driving you kind of insane um one of the things that normally when i speak to people it's a person you know it has it's a single it's not a single person i don't mean that it's it's one person doing the project not one Mm -hmm. person living by themselves um wondering where their life went wrong but decided to fund their Kickstarter. But with you guys kind of kind of obviously being together and both running the project at the same time, have you had to actually have words with each other and say, look, we need to step away from this for a couple of minutes and have a little bit of a break or Well, we did force ourselves yesterday. I was I was mm. pretty stressed out yesterday. And so we went out to the more we have an hour out, you know, it's a little bit more rural, and we went to an apple butter festival. <laughs> yeah. I, I so we spent know. our afternoon at the apple butter festival to get away from the Kickstarter for two hours. That's not, that's not a real thing. Apple oh, butter. Oh, yeah, we were with the Amish and everything. Uh-huh. Apple butter's not a real thing. That apple jelly, now I can get behind that because as a young boy. Uh, apple butter. Is apple butter. Kind of like a thick <laughs> applesauce, um, but you, you put it put it on toast, and it's delicious. You it's the it highlight hot, right? of my fall. <laughs> <laughs> it's that like one of the things you've discovered. It's like you get to a certain age and you go, like, I think I've discovered pretty much everything that I'm going to like in my life. I don't think there's anything else. And then somebody says, how about some apple butter? <laughs> Keep it away from me. Um, apple butter has been a, a, a big thing in my family for, for many years. It's newer to <laughs> me. Say. She introduced me to it. She's like, what a, do you think? It's like a it's, dealer. It's <laughs> What's it like then, Christopher? As, as somebody who's like obviously just like completely just denying the existence of apple butter, <laughs> what is it kind of like? Um, it is, so it's kind of like a thick applesauce, not as sweet, not as much sugar in it. Mm. And then it's served warm and they usually just like, they put it over a piece of bread. <laughs> That's it. But you could eat it from the jar if you want to. It is that good. <laughs> I just, don't, I still don't. I think you've decided what we're going to talk about in this podcast because we've done so many podcasts recently. <laughs> we've run out of things to say. Let's invent something that doesn't exist. Could you do you mix? Could you mix apple butter with savory things? Then I mean, because one of the things that um, everybody talks about apples is they talk about kind of like pork, kind of thing. So could you kind of like technically have a bacon sandwich with apple butter? Well, I guess so. We don't. Neither of us eat meat, so we would put it more (laughs) over like pierogi. or Or maybe maybe like like asparagus or something like that. Potato pancake. Potato pancake. That would be good. That would be fine. Um, okay, broccoli maybe. 
garlic broccoli. Uh, no, no. Are you ve are, are you vegan as well? Do you not have cheese either? Oh no, we we love cheese. We eat so much cheese yesterday. So. <laughs> okay, so I think <laughs> apple butter and broccoli and a little bit of cheese would be really. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had cheese and broccoli and pasta? Yes. Yeah. It's very nice. That's one no of my favorites. No, you should put, maybe put. I don't know how. I don't know. I only, I only need to investigate kind of apple butter. Um. So anyway, <laughs> so you had your little break. You had your little time away. Um. Are I mean, you you do like we had this conversation kind of in the green room. I don't know why I call it a green room because it's not a room and it's not green, but, and I said, well, look, I've been doing this for a little while, and you're you know obviously we're you're not you weren't funded day one. But you have, you know, obviously you're you're a good, good way of the way there. Have you been having discussions? Has there been a little bit of kind of like worry, kind of panic? Are you trying to be calm? Are you, is there a kind of a mixture of emotions in the last five days? Um, I think that we've been saying that we're cautiously optimistic. Um, we say that to people on podcasts and interviews and friends and family, but I think inside, no, we are a bundle of nerves, 100%. <laughs> like, I've been having, like, a stomach ache for, like, a three months straight about this. So, I mean, with this, this is our first Kickstarter, our first board game, um, yeah. and we're kind of going a little big with it. You know, it's, it's a $30,000 goal. Everybody says, you know, start small, do a small project. And we did the exact opposite of that. So, you know, I think to be where we're at, I think we're doing pretty well. We're, we're approaching the three quarter mark and mm. we still have most of the campaign to go here. So I, I think we're, we're in good shape. I hope we're in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> and are you, I mean, do you both have kind of like job jobs? Are you working for your kind of working for yourselves at the moment then? We work for ourselves. So um, our company, Horrible Adorables, it's an art and design studio. And we have been doing this for, I've always just worked for myself since I graduated from college. Um, mm. Chris has been working with Horrible Adorables for the past six, six years, years now. Yeah. And we, we do freelancing and consulting for other companies as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just us. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, yeah, this is our full-time thing. You know, we, we make art, we show it around the world, and um, we decided to make a board game. So these last few months, this is all we've been working on full-time. How did you come up originally with the kind of the idea for Horrible Adorables? Was it something that, cause, because I noticed that people have a style when it comes to art, okay? And this is where mm -hmm. I'm coming with this question. As a creative person, I see people that I can, you, you can look at certain artists and you can say, okay, that's definitely this artist, or I definitely recognize this kind of mm -hmm. art style. Did you find as you were continuing to create, and this is obviously for for question for Jordan, did you find as you were continually creating, you were going towards kind of like a certain style that you found was going to, you know, looking back was actually going to sit really, really kind of well within the kind of the way that you know, horrible adorables was going to be. Um, yeah, so I have a, a fine art background. I went to school for uh, fiber and material studies, which is basically artsy textiles. Mm. And um, while I was there, I was really interested in creating sculptures of like weird little animals. Um, mm. Everything's really like 
um, the craftsmanship that I put into it and just very what do you mean? tactile. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say technical tactile. Um, and that's kind of carried me through into Horrible Adorables. Um, when I graduated, not really quite sure, you know, if I was going to find a real job. I mean, obviously, that's the hope. Uh, but I knew that I loved making these weird little creatures. And yeah. it's just kind of blossomed from there. I started doing some art shows. People really, um, they're well received and kept on going. Um, kind of the signature look of Horrible Adorables. Um, the more of the sculptural side of it is these uh, felt scales that we use to cover all of our sculpted form. Yeah. And it is a bit different looking than more of my, my illustrative style and the graphic style that you'll see in familiars and foes. Uh, yeah. I think that we bridge that with our, um, our focus on toys and the designer toy world, which I'm sure we could get into because I'm covering a lot here, <laughs> but <laughs> What was the question again? <laughs> I just, do you know what? It's kind of like, I kind of like light the blue touch paper and then step back and just watch the beautiful firework display of somebody else's kind of thoughts <laughs> kind of go off. But, I mean, looking at the style, I, I, there's part of me that like look, thinks a little bit of, um, you know, Richard Scary, who's oh, the, yeah. like, the children's author. Like when I first saw yeah. the stuff on the website, when I was looking through it, I was like, well, there's a little bit here because I love that kind of, I love kind of like the solid colors, kind of strong lines, kind of strong shapes, kind of like mm -hmm. an illustration. So I, I'm like, I was like, I was, I'm a kind of a, I really like the kind of the look of the stuff that's kind of like on oh, here. Yeah. Um, well, it kind of appeals to me. Um, as, as somebody who does occasionally dabble in the old kind of art my myself. Thank you. Um, I do love, um, yeah, like Richard Scarry, like all like you know, children's book illustrations, vintage, retro sort of stylings. And I think that I'm glad to hear that that comes through. <laughs> do you, I mean, when you're, because you do, because you said you mentioned you're doing like kind of consultancy stuff. So is it a case that like, do you need to do like a lot of digging to get work or do you get, have you got like kind of a, a name and a vision on the, on the market that people are now becoming more and more aware that aware of your work that you'll actually get contacted with businesses saying, look, can you help us with this? Can you help us with that? Is that becoming more, more and more the kind of the situation? Yeah. So um, I've always, I've been doing freelance work for the, the bigger toy industry for the past maybe 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, so I work with a lot of the major companies, Hasbro, Spin Master, mm -hmm. uh, Little Tykes, all, all those guys. And um, it's, it's one of those things where once I kind of got my foot in the door, um, you make a connection with someone you work within like that certain department. And mm -hmm. then as people move companies or they move departments, you get introduced to another person. And then it's like if they move a company, they kind of bring you along yeah. to the next one. So I, I feel like every year, maybe I add like another major client to my list. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just kind of have like a, a rolling kind of group of contacts that I reach out to and reach out to me. Yeah, that's so, fun because to do something a little different from what, what we're doing, it's a little bit of a break, you know, it's oh, like yeah. work on horrible adorables and you work on trolls, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess sometimes you kind of need a creative kind of palette 
cleanser mm-hmm. in order to make sure you're Definitely. not kind of because you end up kind of going down the kind of the same kind of creative style so i guess it must be nice to kind of to do that so in your term chris because you're you've not been work you've been working with a company obviously less time um and yes. you were working in kind of like a different field so what what made you decide because you again you're kind of from a like um you're kind of a you're actually from a more kind of mechanical <laughs> i was just gonna say he's half machine um, <laughs> it's like i'm looking at christopher right now and there's definitely some kind of terminator bright vibe going kind of on but um <laughs> it's just i'm really terrified if i if i annoy him he's gonna like literally gonna turn up on my doorstep <laughs> and go sarah connor um, um but you've you've been with a company you came along with a company kind of afterwards and was that just like a natural was that kind of like a natural progression from where you were in your career you said well i might as well let's let's do this together um how did that kind of kind of evolve yeah so i um I had my uh, engineering degree. I was working in the field, but I always wanted to go to art school. So I wound up going back um, after I had worked a couple years. And that's where Jordan and I had met. Mm-hmm. So we had some of the same classes and everything. So I went for a couple years and then I kind of felt like I got what I needed out of it. And so mm-hmm. I went back to engineering for another 10 years. Um, Jordan and I worked together. Um, well, I think that ever, you know, since I graduated and was started doing horrible adorables on my own, Chris was always helping with me. Yeah. yeah. So anytime always. she was doing a show or a convention, you know, I was always helping out, setting up the boots, making her displays and stuff like that. Yeah. And Jordan was always very protective of horrible mm-hmm. adorables and <laughs> she wouldn't let me touch it for a long time. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Until like really really needed another person and oh hey i have this uh person <laughs> around me 24 7 that yeah. also is extremely talented and artistic why not let him into that <laughs> so you know i became more and more involved over the years and mm-hmm. finally you know she let me make some stuff and then it was all wrong but then i kept making stuff and then i would you know make suggestions like hey instead of cutting each individual scale by hand how about we like we get a die to like cut these and just crank them out. And that took, that took about a year to convince her that that was okay to do. <laughs> um, but so we, yeah, so over 10 years, you know, we kept just growing the business more and more until eventually we got to a point where I could, I could leave my job and then we could do this together full time. So do you still bring, I mean, you're obviously bringing the, your own kind of creative side to it. So you also come in, coming in from it sounds like the practical nature as well, kind of. Mm-hmm. You're bringing kind of kind of bringing that in. Has it also kind of inspired you to be kind of kind of let the creativeness kind of flow again from yourself? Because I can imagine if you were kind of like started off mechanical engineering and then went into fine art, you know, have you then kind of said, "Oh, this is gives me a this gives me a channel to actually express myself kind of creatively as well." Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. So, so I went through engineering school, but man, they they really don't teach you creativity. And going back to art school and taking design classes there, like really helped me kind of open up 
as far as engineering goes and being able to to creatively problem solve but then vice versa too you know i'm taking a lot of the uh the skills i have from engineering and applying them to uh to our work and our business you know just doing like casting and 3d modeling mm -hmm. and mold making and stuff like that but yeah it gives me an opportunity to uh to be a little bit more creative as well now you know um as far as like the the pieces we make i think it's pretty much 50 50 as far as the creative goes who oh, yeah. you know who designs it mm -hmm. <clears throat> and do, do you have kind of like your own do you have your own bits of the business that you're a hundred percent kind of focused on that you can say well this is mine and jordan can say well this is my bit or do you combine stuff together we do i think just because we naturally have some skills that the other one doesn't but it's that's not what we prefer i think as much as possible we prefer it so that we could both do anything mm -hmm. so depending on how projects come up you know either one of us can um plug in and 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 do whatever we need to but i mean jordan does most of the 2d illustration work i'll do most of the 3d modeling mm -hmm. um, i do a little bit more of the business side like the accounting and <laughs> a little bit more you do all of this <laughs> You got to stand proud there, Chris. Yeah. Well, it's not the part of it, doing the accounting and the uh, intellectual property stuff and all that. Yeah, I know, but look at it this way, right? If, like, Jordan doesn't finish off a picture, you can't go to jail for it. I mean, if you don't finish off the taxes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> unless, of course, you're kind of bringing that into the into the kind of the business. Um, I've got a question that is kind of just sprung into my head like a frog with a wonky back leg when okay in so you've got this you've got this access to this kind of creative pool through the contacts that you have at hasbro and stuff like that when you were thinking about the game side of things when you were actually thinking about familiars and foes what made you decide to say we're going to do this ourselves as opposed to saying, hey, maybe we could set up a pitching meeting with, you know, your Hasbros or your Spin Masters or wherever mm -hmm. this world. What made you decide to go out on your own? I think that's kind of still in our back pocket, actually. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we kind of wanted to, to prove out the idea on Kickstarter first and see if, is this something that people really want? Um, so we, we took a more of a grassroots approach and you know, learning more about the the board game world, and attending all the conventions, and mm -hmm. meeting everyone we could, and just kind of you know researching and immersing ourselves in that world. And then you know, if this does well, that's probably a step that we're going to be looking into. Yeah. Um, a little bit later on. Yeah, we tend to take like the long and complicated road with most things that we do. <laughs> And part of it is is just that we want to make sure that we're doing everything right, that yeah. we understand fully like what we're getting into and making those connections and yeah. everything. It's it's you know it's one thing to make like a beautiful polished piece of you know Kickstarter art and throw it up there, but I think that it's really important for us to um, really get into the community and make sure that people know that like hey, <laughs> we're not just coming in here and. <laughs> Like we we actually have, I don't know what is the word I'm looking for, Chris. 
I don't know. Oh, All that no. said. We have sin in the game, right? It's, That's it's... right. Finish my <laughs> sentences for me. Expert edition. <laughs> Just like that. I can't can't do that. I can't help you. Um, what's, <laughs> what's it been like kind of getting involved with the board game community? Because some people say it's wonderful and some people say it can be hard work. But what have you found it kind of stepping in? as kind of creators coming in with your first project? It's uh, it's big. It's big and overwhelming. You know, we went to our first board game convention in 2019 when we, we started this idea, and we had no idea what was happening. We had to keep going to the help booth and asking <laughs> them, how, how does this all work? Because we we're seeing, you know, these big tables with these really intricate model uh, landscapes on them, and people are playing games with their rulers and stuff like that. We, we didn't even know how to like play a game like we like how do we we see all these games being played yeah. but we're like hmm. how, how do we join in and do that yeah and like we it's i feel like i don't want it to sound like we're like we've never played a game before in our lives like we we actually really like board games yeah but this was the whole side of board games that we've never seen before um but, but everybody's been super kind and welcoming and anytime we have a question or need help everyone has just been so so very nice you know it's it's a big community and you know the idea of kind of getting your head above the crowd so people can see what you're doing is very daunting and it is a lot of work mm -hmm. but um i mean i everyone that we've encountered has just been been very nice and supportive yeah and we um so we come from like i said we do toys uh craft so we come from uh doing indie craft fairs yeah. uh we've done some comic cons we do a lot of uh, designer toy conventions and now getting into the board game conventions it's yeah it's just a completely different beast in itself um but something that we noticed that we really appreciated was there's a lot less gatekeeping um especially than like the toys and uh, comic conventions and stuff just people are just a lot more open with information and wanting to help out yeah, you mentioned about like pitching to someone like Hasbro, um, how you do that. I mean, that's <clears throat> kind of like this mystical thing that no mm -hmm. one really knows how <laughs> how to do. Yeah. But a lot of the board game um, producers, you know, we were trying to decide if we wanted to do a Kickstarter or maybe just pitch it to some producers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we just went to all their websites and almost all of them had like a path like spelled out. Mm -hmm. How, if you want to pitch us a game, you have to have this, that, and the other, and then send us an email here, and and we'll um, we'll listen to you. You know what? Whether how realistic it was, they would pick you up or not, I don't know. But um, it was it was nice that yeah, it wasn't this mystery of how do you contact someone to to actually pitch it. I think I think the difference is, and from my experience, is the. Um... Not that I'm a guru or anything, but uh, I do a lot of work in e-commerce. So I do a lot of work on Amazon side. And I think the difference with the big corporates is the big corporates know what they're kind of looking for. Is that if I said to like the likes of Hasbro, um, I've got this idea for pegs. And they've like, well, guys, we've done A-B testing for games involving pegs. And out of a sample of 100 people, there's only 12 people that want games with pegs. Whereas yeah. in the board, in the kind of the the circles, the board game circles, um, the kind of the more niche 
people say modern, but it's just different. It's like the hobby board game industry. One of the biggest games, like Wingspan, just came because, you know, because Elizabeth Hargrave pitched to Stonemaier and Jamie Stegmeier said, yeah, I'm interested in taking a punt on this and it's gone on to sell a million copies. So you can never Mm -hmm. tell in the board game hobby industry what game is going to be big and what game is going to be huge. And I think that's why a lot of publishers, if you go to them and say, I've got a game with pegs, and they went, is it five pegs or six pegs? And it's like, six. (laughs) Would you consider doing five? Yeah, okay, I'll consider doing five. And they're willing to take a bit more of a risk because I think um, they're not expecting to sell several hundred thousand copies or a million copies you know a lot of these guys you know they'll do a, a run of like maybe ten thousand twenty thousand copies and that's even the big kickstarters and that'll be can kind of considered a success which is why i think you can go around conventions rock up with your prototype copy or arrange an appointment and people will say yeah i'm willing to listen because this one could be the game that gets us kind of on the map which is kind of which i think is um which is kind of pretty cool um, has it encouraged you with you being more involved in the scene? Have you been checking out kind of more board games in the run-up with Familiars and Foes then? Oh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, part of all this was we, you know, as well as not being as much in the board game community, but we weren't in the Kickstarter community too mm. much either. So, yeah, we were definitely getting more involved with that. And it's been a lot of fun, you know, checking mm-hmm. out games and backing them and everything like that. Yeah, everything, every time we saw, like, you know, we were doing a lot of research early on to make sure that our page looked beautiful and professional Mm. and just had everything, all the qualities that we saw in other Kickstarters. So we were constantly just like saving other people's pages, like, oh my gosh, I love how they did their timeline, or Mm. oh, is this like reward level? That seemed really cool. Maybe we should do, you know, take elements of that as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a fun, it's a really cool community. It's so creative. And like going around the conventions, it's it's been great just just finding these little niche games. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, having these games out there from smaller creators, they're just, they're so different. That's what makes them so interesting. And we love that. Yeah. I mean, you just get games like random, like today it's like I'm playing a game that's about traveling space and going through wormholes. You know, the day before I'm building, you know, I'm playing a game where I'm literally building a miniature city or I'm building another game where I'm trying to get to Valhalla or the other week I'm playing a game where I'm trying to get to the from the beginning of time to the end of history, you know, with collecting famous historical figures. And you just kind of don't, you kind of get that at a pick and mix in the cinema, in the sweetie aisle. But you kind of don't, you kind of, to find that, I think a lot of people are like, where's the next big thing? And I think with board Mm -hmm. games, it's kind of like, well, I like this, therefore I'm going to make it. And I'm just going to see how many other people are going to kind of be interested enough to kind of, to kind of pitch in as well as they would say. Um, As normal, we have talked an awful lot about you guys. And now we've got to do the bit where we talk a little bit about the reason that we're here and you're going for goodness sake about time i'm losing the power of my, i'm losing the power of my legs and i've just noticed that the we're almost out of apple butter and i need to, need to fill up the fill, fill up the jar again um this is i guess this is the ele- what they call was it elevator pitch time or lift pitch time if you're in the uk um 
I'm going to I I I'm going to issue a 30 second challenge to you both and I want Christopher to give me his 30 seconds on what familiars and foes is about and then I want Jordan to come in afterwards and get all the bits as well and talk about familiars and foes as well. So Christopher, your time it's not timed, I'm not gonna time it. Just tell me, right? You should have practiced this. Ready? Okay, ready. And three, two, one, go. Go. So Familiars and Foes is the cute occult co-op game. You play as one of five elemental familiars that are a little young and bumbling, but they are spell slinging and they are out to rescue their witches and wizards that have been kidnapped by a horde of evil foes. How's that? That's good. Was there anything you missed, Jordan? <laughs> um, there's Everything. Some, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, he got our tagline down, but uh, he missed out on that there are uh, toads, All that right. the witches and wizards are adorable, <laughs> and that they help you out. And I, I mean, there's just so many things. I guess there's the leveling up part. Oh, you level up? Yeah. yeah you become a stronger familiar by completing your homework. Oh, and wow. the foes are the derpiest things you'll ever see and are <laughs> worth checking out. So what kind of game would you say? Is it like a miniature kind of role-playing game? Is it like a card game? What would you kind of class it under? Um, so it's it's cooperative. Um, and I'd say it's kind of a gateway game, lightweight, medium. Yeah, it's like a cooperative role-play game. Role play game. Okay. Um, we... You know, when we were starting to get more of the independent games and talking about things like like Ticket to Ride or King of Tokyo, you know, those were the games that really introduced us into mm -hmm. the hobby gaming. Now, you wouldn't, I don't know if you'd really consider those since you buy them at Target. But when we first started playing them, you know, they weren't, that type of stuff wasn't too widely available. And so, you know, we wanted this to be a co-op game, but we also wanted it to be very welcoming, just like those games were to us. Yeah. So um, that's that's just the way we designed it. So it's it's a role-playing game, and it has a lot of those mechanics, but it's presented in a way that's very approachable. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. How, okay. So, but how 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 challenging has it been in terms of the marketing side of things? Because you're coming from a standing start, and you're trying to get the so, word out as much as possible, and I'm sure, mm -hmm. and I'm sure you've you appreciate this, Christopher, because I this is how we actually first got talking. You put that post on the board game reviewers group in Facebook, yeah. and was it a case of batting down the hatches? Because all of a sudden you're getting kind of comments left, right, and centre. You must have never felt so popular in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the whole marketing thing has been overwhelming for us because that's that is something that is not um, strong point for either of us. Yeah. You know, we have the technical, we have the creative, mm. we do storytelling, but um, as far as selling, that's a little bit more of a struggle. Our our horrible adorable brand, you know, we've grown that over the years organically, um, but we decided to. To create new social media just for familiars and foes yeah um for, for doing this campaign and having a dedicated um presence just for the game and it was starting from scratch and it's so yeah. di different now trying to grow an instagram account than it was when we started horrible adorables um so yeah we had to learn the facebook groups and how to connect with people there 
we've had to learn how to Facebook do. Facebook marketing and doing ads in general oh. is, you know, we've done some for horrible adorables, but not to the extent that we're doing for familiars and foes. And we've had just problem after problem with, <laughs> with uh, Meta. Facebook doesn't like us. <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that Facebook likes anyone <laughs> at the moment. Uh, you know, it's like one of these things is like, <clears throat> if I ever suffer from like short term memory loss and I need to remember what I've done and where I've been, I just need to look at my Facebook feed because the number of adverts that tell me I can literally have a conversation with somebody in another room and I go and check my Facebook feed and it's like, all right, OK, so you know what I was talking about then, which Facebook kind of denies it. Yeah, I totally I totally see where you're kind of where you're kind of coming from that to get the kind of the noise kind of out there. <laughs> And the reviewers, having reviewers is not something that we've ever done previously. Like, like there's some um, blogs and stuff that do re the art yeah, reviews, but yeah. it's nothing like it is in the board game world, how much media there is. And I think we're at over between reviewers and podcasts. And I, I think we're over 30 at this point that, <laughs> that um, have covered our game. Yeah. I think I think the thing is is that nowadays I mean I'm I'm recording I'm recording using a microphone that cost about you know well it actually cost me nothing cuz my friend gave it to me um but the microphone's probably about 60 70 dollars I'm recording on a through we're recording online through like an online recording suite that doesn't require any kind of technical know-how I mean I pressed a red button that's gone from a circle shape to a square shape and when we finish talking I'll press the square shape and it'll stop recording and then I'll be able to download the audio for so for the entry level I mean people can create people can create media kind of left right and center it's easy it's painless to set up a blog it's painless to set mm -hmm. up a YouTube channel I mean you you know it's very very easy there's a there's, there's I think I think the only place where board game media might struggle is eventually we're going to run out of names pun based <laughs> names I think one we're going to reach a point where somebody's going to go I can't, I can't, I'm going to start a board game channel, but there's nothing for me to call myself because everything else has actually been taken. They'll be like trying to put... Like other words I share with Meeple? <laughs> <laughs> sheeple, Meeple, Sheeple, Meeple. You could probably do a Google search and whatever you, you know, whichever kind of name you put in with the name Meeple, somebody's already done it. Table Meeple, it's already yeah. taken. You know, historical Meeple, probably already taken kind of thing, which is, which is kind of fine. Um... <clears throat> Going forward with the with the experience that you've had within the community and the Kickstarter and everything like that, has it encouraged you to look at kind of creating kind of other games? I mean, is there a notepad somewhere which has got another kind of four or five ideas for different games that you want to kind of bring bring to market as well? At this point, no. But what we do have is our notes for... Um expansion mm. as far as familiars and foes goes we have a whole bunch of ideas for that mm. uh, you know with this being part of our it's we we see familiars as foes as an extension of our horrible adorable world with our characters yeah um and you know we're kind of waiting to see how this whole experiment plays out you know if if we're gonna be doing well enough to do an expansion and then if that all goes well, then, you know, we'd love to do more board games. Mm -hmm. 
But if people say they they hate our stuff, then I, I guess bit of a strong yeah. word. <laughs> it's a bit of a it's a bit of a strong word, I think. Um, okay, out of because these questions, I don't know. I'm in a place of inspiration. So, is there a game out there that you've seen? Now, it could be a classical one or it could be a brand new one that you would have liked to illustrate yourself, Jordan. Oh, I, I would love to do my own twist on Candyland. <laughs> 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 Sorry, no, it's not very indie or anything, but... uh. I yeah. thought you were going to go with like Everdell or Rude. Our those are all perfection. <laughs> they don't need my help. But like, yeah, if I could do a revamped Candyland, I think I would just die. What about if something, what about based on the way that your artwork does, what happens if like um, Patrick Leader at like Leader Games came along and said like, we want to do kind of like Root, but Root Kids kind of thing? You know, you doing that kind of, I could, you know, that's the, I yeah. could actually yeah. see. A total kind of, um, a total kind of like version of a kid's version of Root or a younger version of Root. Because Root's, have you played Root? Yes. It's complicated. <laughs> it's, so, <laughs> it's so complicated. It's like everybody goes, yeah, what's your favorite game? And if we go, oh, it's, well, it's Root, it's brilliant. It's like, it's so, it's so complicated though. It's like I, play, I played it several times and, and, and then I've ended up going, no, my brain hurts. I have to go home. <laughs> And this is like I feel like we still haven't even put it through its paces all the way. We've played it several times. I think we've just played as like two characters over and over. We're like we gotta perfect the cats <laughs> and the bird before we move on to is it the raccoon? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I with all the work that I've done in toys, I've always felt very like, you know, toys is is kind of the world that I I, I do my freelance work for mm. and kind of I mean, this board game, I'm like, oh, I've never really thought about, you know, kind of expanding the freelance side of my work to to board games, too. Like, that would be freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. I mean, that's one of the things that comes up again and again is the cost of art. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Was that something you were kind of, oh, we've covered that. We didn't need to worry. Did that help kind of reduce the overall price because you guys knew that we were going to be kind of covering off the art yourself? It did. It, it's it made it easier, but also mm. more complicated in a way because um, easier in that like okay, yeah, we got it done. We could just keep on you know doing whatever we need at a moment's notice. But also at the same time because we could do things at a moment's notice. Yeah. Um. There, it's been constant updates and changing and oh i don't like how this one's looking and oh, that familiar okay. redesign this and it's um i think that it's the amount of hours we've put into this is insane yeah if we would have been paying someone else we would yeah. be a whole lot more careful and we would just be happy with what they did <laughs> we didn't do the faux illustrations or i didn't do the faux illustrations those were actually illustrated by a really good friend of ours who helped us develop the mechanics of the game too. His name is Brandon B. And I had to put in a plug for him because he's awesome. He's done work for like Nickelodeon and image comics and stuff. Cool. Cool. But I guess <laughs> on the other side of it as well is that if you actually kind of 
said, okay, we've spent 15 hours that and then costed up how much you would how much you would charge somebody if you were doing that on a freelance basis. You got to kind of weigh that up when you're doing the. You got to weigh mm-hmm. that up as well, haven't you? Basically, when you're kind of doing that. Yeah, I mean, we haven't um, actually calculated. I mean, we don't want to calculate that. <laughs> yeah, it's doing things for for someone else's project is is different when you're yeah. even like, okay, here's like a guideline. I need this one specific illustration, or I need these five things. But like for us, because this is our baby. Yeah, mm. it's just that, like, oh, refix, 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 refix. Like, no one could afford to pay for the art for this game currently. That's, <laughs> that's why we need to Kickstarter. Have, <laughs> have you have you had to have you had to be strict then and say, right, okay, we, we're just going to leave that alone. We got to lock this file down. We can't make any more changes because we're just you kind of you're almost no. kind of tweaking it for. No, we're still doing everything. No, we're so bad. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it's like every time we're like, oh, but we need to bring, make this brand new illustration for this like part of the video that's going to show for one second on our Kickstarter page that maybe not everybody's going to watch. But like, I got to make a brand new illustration of that right now. Like, <laughs> that's silly things. just absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so if people want to join in, the pledge levels at the moment is like $49 for the a single copy of the game. Um, yep. If they're wanting a retail pre- a retail pledge, I'll get my teeth in. It's not a difficult word, Richard. It's just the word pledge. We've practiced this several times. You still aren't able to say it. It's $5 for a retail pledge. And if people want to jump in and just say hello, it's a dollar just to jump in and say hello. Um, and if you want two copies, it's $98 as well. And at time of us chatting, you've got about just over 20 days to go. And this will be when the recording is going to coming out. Um, and you're about almost two, over two thirds of the way there now. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, we're approaching three quarters. Hopefully we'll be there when this uh, airs. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. I want to note that we also have a deluxe version of our game that comes oh. with little player pieces so get on that because that one's limited <laughs> uh, there's our hard sell that is that, i mean it's it's it is like i've um it's like kind of the wolf of wall street type of thing going on there that was really kind of you know gonna have to sell my house to get several kind of different different copies um but no i'll make sure obviously we'll make sure that the link to the the kickstarter goes in the show notes but if people have listened along tonight and they do want to find you on the internet webs where do you exist on the internet webs where can we find you oh we're on all the social medias but we have a website familiarsandfoes.com and that'll lead you to basically everything um we're probably social media wise most active on instagram so if you search at familiarsandfoes you'll find us Okay. And if you want to find our artwork, we also have our um, other website, horribleadorables.com. And on Instagram, that's horrible underscore adorables. Cool. Um, we will, of course, make sure that we put all those links in the show notes so that we have got notes to show. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we are up to, then you just go to the internet webs and search for We Are Not Wizards, and you'll find us in all the different places worn out faces bright and early for the daily races we're on twitter and we're on facebook and we're on instagram and we're on 
our website, which is wearenotwizards.com for the podcast and wearenotwizards.co.uk for the written reviews. Um, you just, I mean, if you search for us, you'll find us. We're like some kind of horrible plague that must be stopped um, until we become an endemic. Um, if you like what you've listened to tonight, then consider going to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating or a review. If you are going to be giving us a rating or a review, please remember not to give us 10 stars because it just makes me big-headed. But at the same time, don't give me one star because it makes us cry. Give us something in the middle, like a five, because it's average. And we're just a little bit average. But the people who have not been average tonight are rather wonderful, rather fantastic. Chris and Jordan. Um, thank you very, very much for coming on. Oh, thank you oh, for thank having you. us. thank you. You totally deserve 10 stars. <laughs> there's, no, no, there's only five on Apple. There's only five. Oh. There's only five. But they can just rate it twice, right? They could tr- yeah, they problem. could try it. Everybody rate it. Go on, go on, get a commit fraud, open up another secondary Apple account and, 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 and kind of rate us again. Um, there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember there were many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Chris and Jordan? We are not wizards. We're witches. Right, okay. <laughs> Get out. Um, uh, <laughs> and, the se- and the second thing, can't believe that, let down at the last hurdle. I don't have to put this out. I can just waste an hour of your time and then just chuck it away, um, which I'm... Con- Considering doing, to be honest, and uh, and the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Jordan. Say goodbye, Jordan. Bye. And it's a goodbye from Chris. Say goodbye, Chris. Bye, everyone. Bye, Richard. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, and uh, make something awful. And you know, um, you know, you might. At the end of this, consider maybe you know them to be foes, or maybe they're quite familiar. But um, they're definitely horrible and adorable. And until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.